Welcome to worship at Grace Lakin. This service was recorded on August 22nd, 2021. In this introduction to the Galatians series, Pastor Rem Dias breaks down Galatians 1, 1 through 5. This premier sermon of the series titled Too Good to be True analyzes Paul's salutation to Galatia, his source of authority and mission, and their relevance to us today. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Tell his salvation day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the nations. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Let us ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, tremble before him, all the earth. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. I will give thanks to the Lord for your good, for his steadfast love endures forever.
are just so in awe of you. Everything that you have done for us, this world that you created, creating us in your image, sending your son so that you could be in relationship with us, even in the midst of our sin and misery that we create for ourselves here, Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much. We can't wait to worship your holy name for 10,000 years and forevermore. mercy. 
If you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, O oh Lord, who should who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. O oh Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And with and he will redeem Israel from all iniquities. Um, I love this phrase right here. But with you there is forgiveness. So it's it's like <laughs> out of the depths, out of the depths I cry to you, I cry to you. There's and then you say all oh, the you know who could stand before you? Like we have all these iniquities uh, with you, but we have forgiveness. And so let's just fall upon grace again this morning. <laughs> all right. Um, I, I don't want to get busy in doing the rhythms, right? We have liturgy, and sometimes I think we can, when we do liturgy, it's like, oh, we we're just going through the rhythm. But can we just, can, can we just think about something right now that we're actually approaching a Father in Heaven who is madly in love with you and is so willing to redeem you, so willing to forgive you, and no matter what it is that you've been through this week. So let's just take a time of silent prayer and confession just coming before him with our dignity. Father, we thank you that there is forgiveness. We thank you that we don't have to hide. That we can come to you just as we are. And matter of fact, that's how you want us. You want us to come to you broken and in pain. You want us to come to you honest and humble. And so, Lord, I am praying that whatever that has been stirring in anybody's heart, heart or mind this morning as I gave it to you and they're thinking, ah, does God like, oh, is God mad? Is he, is, is he pouring out shame upon me? Lord, let them let them rest in the fact that your grace is enough, that you, you desperately long to redeem and heal and restore the debts of our hearts. We thank you for Jesus we, and I just pray that God as we continue in our service that your spirit will Fill this place, like help us to come away with all of who God is, who you are, and we just be blown away again with your grace. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you can see the assurance of our part in there. I uh, printed in your worship guide as well. I love this truth. This is a promise. It says, if if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So it's like, hey, by the way. You should be, there should be some confession. It's like, and then it says, and the truth is not in us. Then it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's rest in that promise, right? Let's rest in that promise. And uh, let's stand uh, and let's continue to sing together as we worship the Lord.
Two summers ago, uh, my, my wife and I and our kids went to Panama City Beach, Florida for vacation. And it's like, when you vacation with a lot of kids, it's normally not a vacation, okay? Um, it's just like uh, wear and tear, like, wow, exhausting. Um, but this was one of those vacations that it felt really good. You know, it, it was like, it, you know, it just, everything was going great, and like, uh, I just felt like, you know, it was just beautiful. Our kids were not arguing, the, the beaches were great, the, the weather was great. Well, the end of the, end of the trip came, end of the trip came, and uh, we have been parking in a parking garage all week, and, you know, trying to be a good husband. I was trying to park close to our Airbnb, and, and when you park close, you, you normally park close to the really cool cars. And so all week, and this is a rookie move, all week we've been parking next to like, like the, one of the most beautiful, souped-up GT Mustangs I've ever seen. Okay, it was green, it was amazing. Um, we parked next there all week, and so me and my boys, uh, we're loading the car, right? We're going home, and the parking garage kind of goes at a slant like this, okay? So maybe you're tracking where I'm going. And we're loading the car, and all of a sudden, I hear it. I hear one of my sons who would name nameless say, oh no! And then, oh, <clears throat> and instantly my heart sunk, and I knew what would happen. Sure enough, our, our door to our minivan had swung open and slammed right into the side of this beautiful Suto GT Mustang. And so my heart sinks, I go over, I pull the door open, sure enough, there's this giant dent and scratch inside of this beautiful car. And instantly I go into, where's the cameras? Where's the cameras? Did anybody see? Like, I'm just being real, I'm being honest. Like, I mean, I was from ministry. I was like, no one saw kids get the car. Let's work it and go. And like, for the next hour, I debated, seriously, like, this is the weakness of our flesh. I debated, like, okay, I don't even know. I don't even say anything. What's the big deal? Like, this guy's probably rich. He's probably like, this is not a big deal. Like, I'm a youth pastor. Like, ah! You know, and I just started thinking of all that. And then I was like, well, what is the testimony I'm going to Tell my kids, but anyway, long story short, I ended up leaving it down. Just not to say, hit your car. We go two hours down the road, it's completely silent in the van. It's just like the life got sucked out of us. And I get a text, the guy's like, hey, thanks for giving me your information. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Uh, and like, trying to be nice, and, and he's we're exchanging information. Well, two hours go by from that first text, and I'm driving, and I see a picture on my phone, and it's the car. I'm like, dude, I know I hit your car. Like, you don't need to help me see what I hit. But then I look at it more, and I realize the car is on a tow truck. And so I pick up my phone, and I look at it, and he's like, hey, man, right after I text you, I got a major car accident. I'm fine, but my car is completely totaled, and you don't need to worry about anything. Um, you know, it's going to be paid for through this wreck, and so have a good trip home. You're good. And I was just like, are you serious? Like, what in the world? This is too good to be true. Like, this is not real. Like, I started going through my mind. It's like, this is too good. Like, he's going to text me back and say, oh, I'm just kidding. It's a $100,000. Like, but I could not accept the reality that this was just, this mistake is going like that. It just felt too good to be true. Too good to be true. Well, I could not help but think of that, that phrase, too good to be true, as we approach the book of Galatians. Because this is what's happening. This is what's happening. These churches in Galatia, this isn't just written to one church, by the way. This is written to churches in Galatia. There's, there's many in this, this southern, some argue it's the northern providence of, of Rome, and that, that, that this is what they were saying. They're like, it is too good, Paul. It is too good to be true that it is just by grace through faith alone that makes me right with God. That's too good to be true. We surely have to do something. Don't we? Don't we have to do something? And so this is what they were doing. They could not accept the fact that this was too good to be true. So they were adding to it. I'm going to tell you right now, Paul is on fire in this letter. This is one of his hottest like he is hot. His pen is like smoking as he's writing this, okay? Uh, many in the, the Protestant Christian faith call this like 
the most foundational letter that we can read. And Martin Luther actually uh, coined this when he talked about this epistle. He says, the epistle of Galatians is my epistle. He says, I have betrothed myself to it. It is my wife. Others have called it the battle cry of the Re Reformation or uh, the Christian Declaration of Independence. So this letter is huge. But why? What makes this letter so popular, so crucial? It's because the gospel of Jesus Christ was coming, was coming under great scrutiny. It was the, the goodness of the gospel was being attacked. Um, and so, anyway, this the, the, the Galatians started adding to the purity of the gospel. They started saying things um, like, hey, you have to obey the Mosaic law. You have to be circumcised. They, had, they started adding to the purity of the gospel, which was distorting it. And if, I'm just going to be honest, I've read Galatians, and I'm not going to say this to boast but I've read Galatians quite a bit. And I think a lot of us have, have heard Galatians, maybe, and, and we'll say things like, well, that's them, Ren. Like, I don't really have to worry about work righteousness anymore. And let me just, let me just quote Tim Keller on this, because I think he, he hits the nail on the head. He says this, there is still sometimes, uh, there's still something of an old, uh, old legalist in us. Although we have been saved by grace, we don't always know how to live by grace. The gospel is something we received sometime in the past, but not something we live and breathe. Galatians was written for people like us. It's written for people like us. You know, I've, I've heard it said, like, many people in the Christian faith, again, we say things like, oh, I understand the gospel. I understand the gospel. I understand the gospel. And again, Tim Keller, I was, I was hearing this argument that people were saying to Tim Keller, like, oh, I got the gospel. I got the gospel. And he says this in response to him. He says, if you think you know the gospel, that proves you don't really understand it. And if you say, I hardly understand the gospel, that means you're probably getting it. And what he means by that, guys, and what I mean by that, why this letter is, why I'm, if picking Galatians to be the first book that we're going to dive into it, is because we live in a culture where it says that Christianity is saying it's, it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true, and we also, we live in, a, we live in an age where it's saying we have to work, we have to work, it's performance-based, it's performance-based, it's performance-based, how can I jump higher, what can I do more, how can I do more? And we put that into Christianity. We pull that in, that mindset, and we automatically think there's always more we have to do in order to be made right with God. And I want us to get more rooted. We don't, again, graduate from the gospel. We have to live in it. And so um, this is, we're going to kind of move through these first five verses really quickly because these are going to give us a snapshot into the whole rest of the book. They really are. And, and so these are like the cliff note version. Uh, if you think, I'm not, why, why, why are we going deeper here? Because, again, he's going to get through some of these things that he says in this, um, this salutation. So we're going to ask three questions as we go through this verse. Number one, what are Paul's credentials? Like, why does he even have authority to write this letter? Number two, what is his message? Okay, so what is his message? And then number three, how should we respond? Okay, so that's the outline. That's where we're going. So number one, let's look at this. All right? You tracking? Everybody doing okay? Okay. Uh, number one, what was Paul's credentials? And I see this in verses one and two. Notice how Paul starts the letter. Notice this. Paul, an apostle, not from man nor through man. Now, what's really interesting is the Greek reads like this. The Greek reads like this. Paul, apostle, not. <laughs> That seems really abrupt, right? Like, I don't know if you write those letters, but that Paul the Apostle not. So why is it Paul starting his letter by saying not? Like, because Paul's authority, listen, Paul's authority was being criticized. He was being criticized, and his authority was, was, was being pushed and saying, Paul, you don't really have authority. And Paul's like, well, hold it. Hold it. My authority to write this letter, my apostleship, 
was not from man. I was not sent by man. You could, I wasn't sent by Luke. I wasn't sent by John. I wasn't sent by any of these other disciples. I was sent by Christ himself. Apostle again means sent one. Look at it. He says, I was sent through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. When you look at Paul's life, again, he was on the road to Damascus. He gets knocked off his, his dog ears, horse, whatever, and he's blinded to who Christ is. And this Jesus, this Jesus is who sent Paul. Paul is saying, I was commissioned by Christ. It's his authority. I'm, I'm coming to you, Galatia, on behalf of uh, my apostleship is from Christ himself. It's from God. It's from God. And then he says, he adds to his, his credentials by saying, um, also, the, the brothers who are with me, the brothers who are with me, meaning he's saying, I'm writing this and I'm, I'm being sent by God, but also there are brothers who are with, with me, meaning, again, here's a little side application to your life, meaning he was not working in isolation. He was not working in isolation, but there was brothers with him who could say, yeah, I can back his authority. Yeah, this is how Jesus changed his life. So Galatia, you better listen up. So why would I even draw that point out? Why would I, why, why would I start there? Because how does this apply to us? I think it applies to us like this, and I'm going to unpack this. might not make sense for this second, but if you're never willing to say not, you're never going to change someone's life. See, Paul could have just said, listen, Paul could have just gone with the flow in Galatia. He could have just said, yeah, yeah, you know what? Sure, Galatian church, just believe that. I guess, I mean, they weren't diminishing Jesus. They were still saying Jesus, believe in Jesus, but they were, again, they were adding, and he could have said, oh, yeah, that's okay. That probably would have been more popular for Paul. It probably would have gotten him a little more popularity. It probably would have gotten him such, you know, button heads and confrontation. And so Paul's authority, listen, Paul's authority was from Christ alone. And now, what is our authority as a church? Is it from me? No. It's the word of God. This is our authority. Like, literally, guys, do you understand when we say this is God's word, this is God's breath on a page? God has decided to reveal himself to us. He has given us his revelation. This is our authority. And, and, and the thing that the fact that this is our authority means now too that truth is constantly being attacked in our culture. I mean, it's just being attacked more and more. What is truth? What is truth? And I'm telling you right now, we need to pray for boldness. That this truth. We don't tamper with it. We don't mess with it. This is God's standard. This is his standard. I was thinking about this. This might sound like a silly illustration, but bear with me. But I was thinking, like, what if my children believed that it was actually truth? And they really believed it was truth that brushing their teeth had no benefit. Now, they don't believe this, but it had no benefit at all. And, and they, this is what they, they believed was, was true. Would it be very loving to me at all as a father to be like, oh yeah, you know, I don't really want to, you know, that's the truth you believe, and because that's the truth you believe, I don't really want to get your face and tell you otherwise, because I want to create conflict. No. This is good for you. This is good for you. Like your teeth are going to rot out of your head if you don't brush your teeth. And we might, again, this might be silly, but here's the deal. The same 
way with your friend, with your coworker, with your family member, or whatever, it is not loving to you. It's, you're not loving them at all if they are believing something in the world that they are proclaiming to be truth. That they're buying into this is truth, this is reality, and you're saying, whoa, hold it. I actually know that this is not, this is what's true. And you actually have truth from God's word to share with them, and you don't say anything. You'll never change any, we will never be a church. We will not be Christians very effective if we're not lovingly speaking the truth into people's life. This church would have been destroyed. Galatians would have been destroyed if Paul would have said, Paul, not an apostle, not. Let me get in your face. Now, we have to do it with a sincere love for the people as well. We don't steamroll people. We don't kick them in the teeth and leave them. No, we, we want to make sure we're speaking the truth in a powerful way of love, but we have to be able to say, this is true. Are you guys tracking with me? I feel like I'm young at this point. But um, so that's that's number one, okay? Number two, we have to ask the question. We have to ask the question, what was Paul's message? What was Paul's message? And I see this in verses three and four. See, Paul starts in verse three with one of the most famous readings. He says, grace and peace. He, he always begins his letters. A lot of times he says grace and peace, but he also adds a prayer after that. It's, it's, it's hilarious. He always adds a prayer and thanksgiving after most of his letters, after he says grace and peace. Guess what's not there? Prayer and the thanksgiving for this church. Because again, he's red hot. Uh, and, but he also adds, he also adds to this idea of grace and peace. See, the gospel gives us grace, which is unmerited favor, and it gives us peace with God. Okay? Um, and you can see here that grace and peace, he's saying grace and peace does not come from man. That if you actually want grace and peace, if you actually want grace and peace, it actually comes from God. God is the ultimate one who can bring us actually grace and peace. Now that's a bold, that's a really bold statement. Like, again, we're, we're speaking truth, but like if you say that in our time, like we're saying, hey, the only way we can you can truly get grace in your life and feel grace and, and have peace is through God, people are like, okay, but how? And this is what Paul says. He says, next verse, he answers that question. Who Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God. See, this is a profound verse. This is a profound verse. He's saying that there's actually sin in your life. There's actually the, that, that mess in your life that you actually need delivered from. So the ESV says deliver, but NIV renders rescue. He's saying actually that you need rescue. I love what Tim Keller again puts on this. I don't quote him, but he did such a great job on this passage. He says, other founders of, of of religions came to teach not to rescue. See, yes, Jesus came to teach, and he was a teacher, right? And he was a profound teacher, and he was a great teacher, but he also, Jesus came to rescue. He came to rescue. Like, I don't know if you know, but Christianity, Christianity is not about how good people can come to be a little bit better. By these moral teachings that Jesus taught me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not about good people coming to be a little bit better and trying to make themselves a little bit better. No, it's a Christianity is about dead people becoming alive through Christ. Like you were spiritually dead to the things of this world. Your life had not really meaning and hope, but Jesus Christ came to make you alive. And I heard one author also say, imagine that you see a drowning woman. Imagine you see a drowning woman, and in the middle of it, you would not throw her a book of how to, how to swim. You wouldn't say, hey, and throw her a book of how to swim. No, you wouldn't. You'd throw her a rope. And that is what Christ has done. 
He's thrown us a robe. He's thrown us a robe. Jesus took our sin record. Guys, listen. I know we say things in the church a lot, but let's think about that. Through Christ, you don't have to carry your weight of your sin and your mess and your shame and your depression and your anxiety and your worry. And Like, Christ has come to rescue and redeem and restore humanity back to God. He hasn't come to modify you. He's come to make you new. New. This is our gospel. This is... <laughs> D.A. Carson says, you know you can trust a God who bleeds for you. We, Christianity, has a God who's willing to bleed, to come down and restore. Not say, hey, here's all these To restore. And then the text says, and we got to keep going, but it says, deliver us from this present evil age. What does that mean? Does that mean, like, once we believe in Christ, we're like this? Sucked out of the world, and, or like, you know, like once we believe in Christ, then we understand that everything in the world is evil and gross. You can't touch it because it's gross. No, that's not what he means. And I might be jumping ahead a little bit here, but uh, Galatians 6.14 says uh, this, but I, I think it helps us with this verse. He says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So I believe being, studying this, it, being delivered from this present evil age means it doesn't, the world doesn't have control over you anymore through Christ. One author says, even though we continue to live in this evil realm, we are being rescued from it through the cross. The age to come has burst into this present age. We ourselves no longer have to live the way we used to live when we were under the power of evil. I was thinking about this again, uh, this idea of being delivered from this present evil age, and I was thinking about this story I heard from a pastor that was talking about this famous cricket player, which would be amazed if, does anybody watch cricket? Uh, yeah, who yeah, watches cricket? Um, but this famous cricket player, C.T. Studd, and which is a great last name, by the way. Oh my goodness, uh, C.T. Studd. Uh, and he was a stud. He was great at cricket. I mean, he was the best cricket player in the world. Like, perfect. I mean, think LeBron James times a million, all right? I mean, or Michael, uh, Michael Jordan times a million. And, and, I mean, just amazing cricket player. And he decides at the height of his career to ditch cricket and go to be a missionary in China. And he gets, he gets so creamy. He just gets creamy. By the culture. Why would you do that? Yeah, I mean, could you imagine LeBron James is quitting being a big player and saying, hey, I'm going to go be a pastor or a missionary or something? And, 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 and you know, uh, so CT Studs getting criticized, and he, he says this in one of his poems Only one life till soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. So being delivered from this present age, guys, means this. You are so, we're, we're praying, we're soaking ourselves in the gospel, we're, we're, we're staying rooted in the word, we're, we're just, our affections are bubbling up inside for him. And we're just glorying in him. We're so satisfied in him that this is what it's saying. Now it's saying, you know what? I don't need to climb the ladder in my job and get to that next spot. I don't need to have all of these things in this world. I, I'm actually free from this world. We can actually take a deep breath and say, ah, I can let go. I don't need all of this because I've got Christ. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm praying that that gets transformed more and more and more in me daily. Where I'm saying, you know what, world? I don't really, I don't really need you. I, I mean, thank you, God, for giving me, you know, good drink, good food. But I, I, I'm eating this to understand that this is making me crave you more. We tracking? That's what being delivered from this present evil age means. And then I'm landing the plane here. What should be our response? To this thing. So we, 
Paul gave us credentials. He gave us a brief, a brief snapshot of the gospel. And then he's going to give us kind of a benediction when he says this. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So our response to this gospel message should be glorifying God. We want to glorify God. Because our, again, our Christian message, the message of the Bible, the Christian gospel really is meant to flatten. I know I'm using drowning in illustrations, but imagine again that you're, say you're, you're, you're kind of drowning and someone throws you a life ring and you just barely, you barely grab onto the life ring and they pull you into the bowl and you, you'd be like, oh, this is great. But now imagine that you're dead at the bottom of the ocean and your lungs are filled with water. And someone jumps down into the water, grabs you, brings you up, gives you CPR, resuscitates you, and you become back alive. Which one of those is a bigger, clearer picture? What is Paul going to say is a bigger, clearer picture of the gospel? It's definitely the second one. Because in the first scenario, you probably would have had a hand. I could have grabbed on. You know, I could I, 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 I gave some help into my rescue. But the thing is, is the Christian the gospel is, guys, that God saved you, rescued you, and redeemed you. Like, he came down into the water to bring you out, to, to resuscitate you, to give you life. And in that moment, what it should respond is, all glory to you, God. All glory to you. Thank you. I didn't deserve this. There's nothing in the world I could have done to earn that or get more of that. It was only your unmerited favor and your grace. So buckle up, Grace Lake, because this is where we're going. I'm yelling. I think Titus turned it down. Uh, and, and so uh, I, I'm just I'm saying, again, if, and, and if you're sitting here like, oh, great. Rim's going to say the gospel. Again, oh, great. I, I'm saying, hey, wake up. Like, are we living it? Is it breathing? Is it transform our lives? Because again, the amazing grace of the gospel frees you. It's free. That's what the subtitle freedom through Christ. The true gospel should bring you liberty, it should bring you freedom, it should let you relax in his presence. Not always wondering where you're at with him. We all right? Amen. So that's where we're headed. He's come to rescue us from this present evil age. So Paul gives us a big dose, big dose of the rest of this letter. And so let's uh, let, let, let's pray. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much for this this word, and I thank you, Jesus, that you are that you're here. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for receiving us, for redeeming us, for restoring us. Please, Jesus, don't let it become gray to us. I'm praying that if, if there's anyone in here, too, that just, man, just feels the, the weight of shame or guilt, Lord, again, I just pray that they would turn to you. They would turn to you again and understand that, Jesus, you came to receive restore and heal. And Lord, I am just praying that God, that we would be a church as it says in our mission say we're rooted in the gospel, but God, like, it would, it would not just stay in our minds, it would transform every part of our lives with what you've done for us. Every area of our lives would be touched by the gospel. How we treat our wives, our, our, yeah, our marriages, our family life, our school life, our hobby life, every single part of it. And so Lord, speak through this letter and transform our hearts and minds and lives more and more. We love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Amen. Well, we come now to a time of communion. Amen. Amen. And I want to I reflect um, uh, briefly on, on, on this, this passage where it says Christ came for you. For you. And I, 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 I'm thinking on this verse, and it says he came for you and, and, and to deliver you from sin. So when, when I think about communion, we have a big load today, it's great. Um, you know, I, I think about the fact that because Christ was broken, like because he was broken, you don't need to be broken. Because he was, he was torn, we don't need to tear ourselves. We just come to receive. Because he was poured out, because he was poured out and he shed his blood, we don't need to shed blood. That this table, this feast, guys, is, is him saying, this is for you. This is for you to, to, to receive. And as, as we come to the table, by the way, this is not the table of the Presbyterian denomination. This is not the table of even Grace Lake. This is Christ's feast. This is for those. Listen, this is for those who are saying, I need grace. This is, the table is for those who are saying, I need Jesus and I need him more and I need him more and I need him more. This is for those who are in him. Now I will say, I will guard the table, but this is not for the unbeliever. And then, so for this time, for you, it, it, for, for, for an unbeliever, I'm just saying, watch the visible signs here. And, 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 and fall upon his grace right now and, and give your life to him. This, this table, though, is for the believer to say, I need this. I need this. And, and we, we hear uh, the table being instituted in many places, two other places, but most of most the, the, the famous one comes from 1 Corinthians 11, where it says, For I received from the Lord, but I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for, again, this table. Lord, I thank you again that you gave us this amazing sacrament. God, for, for our good, for and, and, and to bring us closer into fellowship again with you. And so, Lord, I pray you just bless these elements, bless this time. Prepare our hearts for this, and may we come with joy for what you have done for us. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, it's been a while um, since we've since I think you guys have done communion, since I've been here. Uh, so we can, you can take a deep breath. It's okay, we'll just relax, all right? Coming to his table. That's right. We, it's a feast. It's a feast. So we're doing intention, okay? Intention is, it's, it's very simple. Okay, all you have to do is I'm going to be up here, and Titus will be up here with, with the cup, I'll be with the bread. And when, when your heart's ready, We'll have some music playing, and you can just prepare your heart. You don't have to rush and go, you just prepare your heart to, to receive the elements. But when your heart's ready, okay, when your heart's ready, it's okay. Just don't rush it. When your heart's ready, you'll come forward, you'll tear a piece of the bread, and here's the thing. Everyone's always like, how much do I tear? Like, I don't know. We have a lot of bread. Okay? You, I mean, Jesus wants you to get a big piece. 
It's okay, guys. Seriously, get a big piece. All right, get a big piece. Tear a piece, and then you're going to turn in the cup, and you're going to dip it in the cup, and then you're just going to eat it on your, as you go back to your seats. There, are, there is some hand sanitizer because I know I want to play out and what's such a If you want a hand sanitizer for a as you come forward, that'd be great. Alright? Are we good? Do we understand? So when your heart is ready, you can receive the elements. to this really profound verse for the tithes and offering where it says you may say to yourself my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth <laughs> it's amazing it's like it's, he's saying yeah you think it's coming from your hands it's actually, and it is, we, we should work, we should, but God is the one who's blessing. And so again, if your heart feels stirred to give, remember, you're just giving back to God. He's already, he's already giving, you're just, you're, you're giving it to his glory, to his kingdom, the advancement of his glory. Amen? All right, would you stand with us now as we sing our closing song, Yet I, for Christ's sake.
For joining us at Grace Lakin. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Lakin KS, on YouTube, and at GraceLakin.com. Mm-hmm.